Hello and welcome to the Motivation Method podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We're the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and the Motivation Masterclass found at trinitytransformation.co.uk. In today's episode, you will learn the answer to our most common question, how do I stay motivated? So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Motivation Method podcast. Okay, so welcome to the first episode of this podcast. And Ben, who's joining me today, why did we actually decide to do the podcast? I think because we send out daily emails trying to teach people, you know, everything that we stand for, how to lose weight, how to do it sustainably, how to stay motivated. But we kind of reached the limit of how much value we could add through email. So we decided we need to do something better, something more usable and um, we do facebook lives as well but again that's a little bit limited so we thought a podcast would be the best way we could possibly spread our message and help people yeah and also we both love listening to podcasts so we thought maybe other people will be interested in listening to what we have to say we have quite a lot to say on the topic of motivation and fitness so what we're going to do today is we're going to get into the kind of biggest question when it comes to getting motivated we asked what did we do how many people did we ask we asked, um, so our email list of 60 something thousand people, we got a few hundred responses and the, f the number one thing um, people wanted to know about how to stick to diets was how can I stay motivated? Yeah, so that is the question we're going to be asking, asking and answering today. So shall we get into it? Um, first part of this is going to be, well, I'm going to ask Ben actually. Let's ask Ben as a, as a start. When people ask how to get motivated, it's quite complicated, isn't it? Like before we did this podcast, we had a little conversation and we said, this is not really a simple question. Yeah, very, very difficult question. Um, there's a, a lot of variables, a lot of moving parts. It's, it's, it's almost asking, how do you take a person who we naturally, we kind of don't want to stay motivated. We want to sabotage ourselves. We want to we want to do all the things we know are not good for us. Like we want to eat bad foods. We want to drink alcohol. How do you turn that random person into someone who does what they know they should be doing? So it's it's difficult, difficult and complicated. Yeah. So basically, it's not it's not a simple just do this and get motivated. It'd be nice if it was, but having trained loads of people over years to do this, there is kind of a framework that we know works. So. That's what we're going to talk about today. So what is the first part? So if I was to say, so today I'm going to start getting motivated. I'm going to start doing what I know I should be doing um, fitness wise in order to get the result I want to, I want to get. The first thing you need to do is you actually need to know where you're going to go. So what, what goal you actually want to get to and setting that goal process. Um, it's, it's very important to go into enough detail doing that. And people often start in the wrong place when they think about what goal they're going to be setting. Yeah, I feel like everyone knows this, like they should set a goal now. It's kind of becoming a bit of a cliche as well. They're like, oh, the why, why do you want it? What's your why and all of this stuff. But there's a lot more to it. And this is what we've kind of found, isn't it? So before you even get into it, um, the most important thing we have found to start with is to actually not skip ahead to what do you want? Where do you want to go? But first look at where are you now? Where are you today? 
with your health, with your fitness, with your body, and with the way you feel about it. So what kind of questions would you ask, Ben, to someone who's trying to figure out, first of all, where they are now? Well, the easiest thing to look at when you're thinking about where are you now is um, the kind of the numbers, so the raw facts, the things you can easily measure. So I can go into the bathroom now, I can stand on the scales and I can say I'm 86 kilos. That's an easy one. You can measure different parts of your body with a tape measure. You can look at what foods you're putting into your body, how much you're exercising, what kind of exercise are you doing. So if you get all of that stuff written down on the piece of paper, that's usually a really good place to start. Yeah, and you can also look at, as a woman, you can look at your dress size as well. I know they vary from like place to place. Our clients are constantly telling me that, um, that like Topshop is not the same as, I don't know, I can't think of another, another brand now, but as another brand. I agree with that, and even man's clothes. Top man jeans, I I swear, are like one size smaller than yeah, they're for skinny guys. Most other normal jeans, they do not fit my enormous thighs. <laughs> so yeah, you need to get clear on the facts. That's basically what Ben's saying. So the facts of like the numbers of your dress size, of your weight, of your inch measurements, maybe as well. So you could do like hips, waist, thighs, biceps, things like that. That's what we do with our clients, and. This isn't very comfortable though. This I think a lot of people avoid this um, just because it's not very nice because if you've let yourself go for a long, longer time, it's just not very nice to face up to it is, it, is it really? Yeah, nobody wants to sit and look at numbers which which say things they don't want to see, that say they're, they're overweight, they're bigger than they want to be, heavier than they want to be. It's kind of like when um, when people go to slimming groups and they get made to stand on the scales in front of everybody and everybody's kind of secretly wishing that they that they've gained weight, so they don't look like the one who's gained the most weight that week. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. So it can be a bit of an unpleasant experience, um, which which can lead people to avoid even looking at the facts of where they are, and just saying, you know, oh, it's fine, you know, I haven't gained that much weight, it's all right, it's not that bad. And then the problem with that is you'll just stay exactly where you are because. You're, you don't even realize that there's a problem and you don't even realize the impact that that could have on your on your life. Well, I think, I feel like people know there's a problem, but they sweep it, like, naturally as people. We all want to sweep the problems under the carpet. Yeah. That's what I do anyway. Like, I can relate to this, not in terms of fitness nowadays, luckily. Well, maybe with my flexibility, but more, like, financially, I definitely do this a lot. You're like, if you're not doing that well in business, at least, you're not, like, you're running out of money, personally or something like that you just you don't want to look at your credit card bills or things like that because you're like oh, no, yeah. I no I don't really want to look at it because it's probably worse than worse than I think and I can't pay it off and it's so you, instead the easiest solution is just to be like let's pretend it doesn't exist I'll keep paying for stuff on my credit card yeah and then uh when you finally face the reality it slaps you in the face and it's horrible but it's then you sort it out then you go I'm gonna have to pay this off and stop stop living like an idiot yeah but what's so what's so horrible about the reality is if, whether it, whether it's your financial situation, whether it's the way your body is, is that you have to really face the the reality that you have created this situation. That there's nobody has eaten all the junk food that's made you gain weight apart from you. Nobody has been the person who sits on the couch, not exercising instead of you know moving, burning calories. It's your own habits and your own um, kind of down what's the word your kind of failings that have led to the situation you're in now but it's really important to actually to actually focus on this in order to make any progress going forwards yeah you've got to get very clear on that so get clear on the facts that is the first piece and then this there's a kind of like a second part of this that we always teach to people as well 
So you've got clear on the numbers, your weight, your dress size, um, and all those things. And then you've also got to look at the impact on other areas of your life as well. So what's the kind of areas we look at in terms of impact? So the way your body looks um, obviously affects the way that you live your life in terms of a lot of other areas. So one of them is relationships that you look at. So if you think about the way you the way you feel about your body. So I know if I'm if I'm a little bit overweight, if I'm you know if, if I lose a bit of muscle, if I'm generally not a hundred percent happy with the way my body looks, it does have an impact on my confidence, has an impact on the way I feel about myself. And I know a lot of people say that you should like, you know, you should love your body however it is, however you look, etc. etc. But the reality is for most people, most people don't have the kind of really solid self-esteem inside to just look at their body even if it's not what they want and then be completely happy with themselves so the reality is your body really does have an impact on the way you feel and so if you feel down about your body then when you go into relationships with other people with your family with your friends that bad mood is going to carry over into those relationships you're not going to be that bubbly lively happy person that you want to be and that's kind of the best you um and people are going to pick up on that. That's going to affect those other relationships. So that's the first area it can affect. Yeah, and I, I think there is a lot of PC stuff around this now, isn't there? But I can completely relate to that one as well um, in a different realm. So, well, both Ben and I can for sure, because that's how we got into fitness. I was an extremely skinny guy. Um, I think Ben was in the same boat. Is that right? Yeah, as a kid, I was like a little matchstick man. I remember being at school and... Uh, just people generally teasing me about having like thin arms. Like, oh, look how small Ben's arms are. <laughs> and I think that probably was, was the catalyst that, that got me well into fitness. I think people, when people get into fitness, it's often through painful experiences rather than positive experiences. When you get teased, when you get made fun of, when you feel um, kind of overweight, out of shape, and that makes you feel unhappy, then that spurs you into action to change that situation. But the empowering thing is like that can seem like a negative thing and people are like, oh, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't feel bad about it. But as Ben said, the reality is like it does affect things and you can feel bad about it. Like I was I had really, really bad, low like self-esteem and confidence at school. Um, I was a really skinny guy, like Ben said as well. And I just constantly I kind of look young for my age as well. So everyone just called me like cute. I'd try and like chat up girls and they'd be like, oh, they'd friend zone me or just be like, oh, let's just be friends or you're really cute or your legs are smaller than mine and I get all this stuff and like it's funny now like looking back on it but at the time it was like really really rubbish and every time it happened my self-esteem would go down and down and it took me ages like and it literally took me going to the gym sorting out the way I felt about my body so not being the skinny guy anymore going training with Ben and and uh, putting in the work building some muscle, going from like a 65, whatever, how much is that in stone, 65 kilos? Like I was nine or 10 stone, I remember when I was like 15 or 16 um, and going up to like 12 stone with muscle completely changed things. Even though I know PC wise, it's not supposed to affect things. It, for me, it definitely did. I went from someone with no confidence to then going to the gym and exercising and taking control of my, my fitness and then kind of developing confidence because of it because I thought yeah I can do this I can achieve this actually I can be fit and healthy and I think there's a lot of people in the same boat when they're overweight as well thinking that they shouldn't feel bad about this but they kind of do feel bad about this and that it is affecting their confidence and 
it can really change things. Like I went from being single forever and not really having any, <laughs> barely having any experience with the girls. Like I was so nervous about it. And then going to university, building some muscle. And then now I'm completely happy being in the relationship five years, had no problems after once I kind of sorted out that self-esteem issue, then everything else started to fall into place. And I realized I can achieve this. I could start a business and achieve this. So I think it has a huge impact. I know I've gone on a massive tangent, but it has a huge impact on your life. So don't downplay it. You've got to get, you have to actually get clear on, on your pit or your, or the problem, whatever you want to call it, where you are now and the impact it's having. So the first thing is on your relationships. And in my opinion, it has a big impact because if you're like, if you don't feel good in your underwear, then you're not going to be in your underwear around your other half. And I think that's an important thing because if you don't have a sex life anymore, then are you even in a relationship? I don't know. <laughs> I think then you're just kind of friends. And I know people, it's more complicated with a family, but I think mm. it's very important. Like we've had, we've had clients, some funny client testimonials, haven't we, about this? Yeah, loads. Like um, clients who are like, you know, I've had sex with my husband for the first time in however long, first time in months. I feel like I've got my confidence back. He feels like he's got his wife back. All of those kind of really positive comments, which put a massive smile on my face. Um, yeah, and I remember we had that one that yeah. said, I walk around the bedroom now in my underwear or sometimes even without and stuff like that. And I just think that's that's really important. But back to where we are, I'm supposed to be keeping this podcast on track and I'm <laughs> the one who went off on a tangent. We're looking at the key impact of where you are now, the fact of where you are now on the rest of your life. So first of all, we've talked about, you need to look at the effect it's having on your relationship. So how is it affecting relationships? You need to think about that and really kind of get, don't brush things under, don't sweep things under the carpet. You've just got to say, it's kind of, we're not having much sex. We're not feeling that connected anymore. I avoid my other half in my underwear, um, whatever it may be. You've got to kind of get clear on that. But what other areas are there that can impact? There's kind of, um, so you've touched on the relationship with a partner, but also your relationship with your kids. A lot of our clients talk about their relationship with their kids, how if you're in a position with your body where you're not feeling fit, you're not able to, you know, you get out of breath very easily, you get tired very easily, you're lacking energy. And when you've got a couple of kids running around, playing all the time, it can be really hard to keep up with them as well. So you can't be the mum you want to be for your kids um, just because you're physically unable to keep up with them because they're so much younger and fitter than you. And I'm always like amazed now by... I don't know why when you're younger you just don't observe these things but now like looking at mums pushing push chairs whilst carrying another child or mm. like carrying all their bags like being a mum looks pretty hard so if you've let your fitness go then it's going to be difficult to to kind of be that role model and if you're constantly worn out don't know about you but when I get worn out I just become like cranky unpleasant to be around snappy and that's just like with my girlfriend or with Ben and that would be even worse if it's around kids. So having low energy because you're you're not healthy and not fit is also gonna have a big impact. Yeah, so, everybody has those everybody has those kind of good days where you wake up and you feel amazing, and then bad days where you wake up and you just feel terrible. So it's about thinking about how how many of those bad days are you having and would you like to have more of the good days? How would that impact your life if you did and your relationships? Yeah, so the next area of impact as well I want to touch on thinking of what Ben just said is work life because he talked about how would that impact your relationships. It can also impact if you're working or even if you're just a, um, what's the word? Homekeeper? I'm trying to think of the right word. Homemaker. If you're, if you're basically running your home with lots of kids, that's also hard work. If you're constantly knackered and if you're constantly having to like 
uh, drink loads of coffees just to keep going all day, that's probably a bad sign again. Like, Ben, I know it's gone. Have you gone almost teetotal on coffee? I, I did until uh, today where I'm drinking a cup of coffee right now. I, I, I decided, well, I went on a camping trip with one of my friends and he mentioned he cut out coffee because it gives him anxiety. So I was like, oh, I get anxiety sometimes. Maybe it's because I drink too much coffee. So I was, I tried cutting it out for a while. Um, I don't know if it was placebo effect or not, but I felt like my anxiety levels had reduced, but I don't know. Today I felt like drinking coffee, so. Yeah, I did. I dropped that bomb there. I thought it was um, a bit ironic <laughs> that Ben has gone teetotal on coffee until right now, because we're doing this podcast late at night. But anyway, if, if you're constantly having to drink coffee for energy, that's probably not good a good sign. But just think in general, how does... The facts about where you are, so your weight, your energy, your fitness, how is that affecting your work life? If is And kind of the way you feel about your body as well. So if you're constantly worried about what people think of you and you're constantly worrying about what people think about you or how you look rather than getting on with the job at hand, let's say you're presenting in front of people. We've had clients who said they can finally present in front of people and not give a shit about what people are saying. Oh, I dropped a, I dropped a, something <laughs> the explicit there. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully not watching it with your kids, but... If you can stand up in front of people and present and not care about what people say, imagine what the difference would be there. So what is the impact currently? Are you currently worried about what everyone's thinking and detracting from the job or you're not trying to achieve more at work because you think you're not good enough or things like that? Like a lot a lot of fitness stuff, I think, comes down to then beliefs about yourself. Like since getting into fitness years ago now, but since getting stronger and fitter and realizing I can achieve stuff, I think it also helps with a lot of self-belief things so yeah what's the impact on your work life and then i would also say what's the impact you did touch on this already on your social life like talk about that a little bit oh so like um all kinds of stuff like <laughs> so if you, if you feel again if you're like cranky if you're miserable if you're moody all the time then it, no matter who you're around whether that's family whether that's friends you're not going to be the person that you want to be around them yeah and is also, that what you're thinking or is it yeah i think like living your life to and loving your life to the fullest whatever you want to call it it's a bit cheesy but yeah being your true self around them and then like being fun around them not just bringing the mood down or even i think even worse than that i think a, a lot of people feel obliged to be act a certain way so even though you're feeling crap about yourself inside and low of energy and not feeling like yourself anymore maybe because you've gained some sort of weight um a lot of people feel obliged to put on that like that's that fun happy face um i know loads of people who are like this and then they come home and then they kind of crash out and they're like oh that was rubbish i didn't enjoy it at all but they're trying to be that happy and fun person but it might just be impacting your social life in the fact that you're not really enjoying it because you feel like the wallflower or you feel like the big one in your friendship group or you don't feel like your true self anymore and you can't be you anymore um and these are all kind of <laughs> We could do a whole podcast on every one of these topics. Yeah. But you've just got to kind of get clear. I mean, a good. what would you say is a good way to get clear on this? Would you just write it down in a journal? What would you do to try and figure Me out? Me personally, yeah, I would grab a, um, a journal. I do a lot of journaling. I was looking at my journals the other day. I have kept all my old journals. I must be like 15 from the past couple of years. So yeah, get through a lot of them. But I would take a journal. First of all, write down all the easy things to write down. So like just the literally the facts of... Um, you know, how much do you weigh? All of those things we mentioned before, and then write down the impact on the different areas of your of your life. So your relationships with um, your partner, your kids, your social life, 
um, how it affects your work life. Just put like headings down and then just just write, let it flow out. How does the way you feel about your body affect these different areas? Yeah, and this is this is exactly what we go through with like everyone who works with us. We we go through this series of questions. They have to answer these before we'll even start anything. So they're completely clear on where they are before they even go about setting what they want as a goal. And the last thing I'd say you need to look at, especially if you're getting a little bit older, this becomes more and more important. And we work with lots of women in the sort of late 40s, their 50s and the 60s is also the impact on your health. So the impact of your weight, your dress size, your fitness levels on your health, because it does become kind of important. Like if if you're not, if you're getting weaker and weaker and less and less fit as you get older, you're much more prone. And if you're getting heavier and more overweight as well, like it's directly linked to pretty much all the diseases you don't want to get. So heart disease, mm-hmm. cancer, um, all the diseases that kind of shorten people's lives significantly are linked to weight. So you need to get clear on that. And I know most people don't do much about this until they get a health scare, but if you can get yourself motivated by looking at the state of it, maybe looking at your family members, this is a good thing some of our clients do. They look at their family members and say, my mom or my aunt or my uncle or whatever had a heart attack and or a stroke or something like this and they realize that they're going the same way, then that can also help unlock that like motivation by looking at the impact on your health. So that would be the last area I would say are there any more areas you would look at in terms of impact? I'd say that's it, really. All right, let's go on to the next part then. So what we've done so far, we're going through a process of setting your goal. This is the first stage to get motivated is we've said, where are you now? So the facts, what is the impact on the key areas of your life? But after that, then we get into the actual um, goal setting. What do you actually want? So where are you now? We've covered that. And then you're going to say, where do you want to go? So this is the next bit. So how would you set a good good goal for where do you want to go? I'd say the first thing to look at would be we've 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 done the kind of miserable, depressing part already. The whole start of this podcast has probably been quite depressing for anyone listening, to be honest. But we've written down all of the facts about about all the things we don't like about ourselves or just, just where we are. It might be that you you like all of these facts about yourself and how that affects all different areas of your life. And then from that you can look at the impact it's having and you can say, what do I not want out of this stuff? So if you look at it and you say, if, if, if the facts for you are, I'm always too out of breath to keep up with my kids, running around panting, unable to keep up with them at the park, then you can start with, I don't wanna be so out of breath when I'm playing with my kids. And then transition that into something more positive. Like I want to be fit and healthy enough to run around and keep up with my kids. So you can use those negative facts we looked at to almost flip them around and figure out what you want from what you don't want this is why it's so important to look at first of all where you are now because if you're not completely clear on where you are now like the reality of your situation then there may be things that you that you you need to change in order to feel good about yourself but you you haven't really identified those things because you weren't clear on how they were making you feel yeah so people end up setting um they end up setting goals that are really not what they really want because they're not clear on the actual problems now. I think that's what what Ben means by that. And that's what it's quite easy to do. Like I've done that myself as well. When you don't really get clear on it, you end up setting some ridiculous goal that you don't really want. So your problem might be that you're feeling overweight and not sexy for your other half. And then you might think, okay, so the the obvious solution would be that you reduce your weight or you reduce your body fat so you're leaner and you feel younger and more kind of 
more sexy for your other half. But some people might be in that situation. Then they go, okay, the solution, I'm going to, I'm going to run a marathon. It's like, if you run the marathon, yeah, you'll feel great. But are you really going to feel sexier? Because running a marathon doesn't mean you'll lose any weight. You don't necessarily get in better shape running a marathon. A lot of people set these random goals that are not necessarily what they want to do. Or they go, I'm going to book a holiday because that'll make me feel better. But that will just temporarily make them feel better. But they've still got the problem that they're not feeling sexy and they're not wanting to engage with their with their other half. So I think it's got to be based on where you are. And then the other important thing is, so what was the goal you just gave as an example? <sighs> Put you on the spot now. What was the goal I just gave as an example? It was um, have the energy and the fitness to run around after your kids. That was it. So that is kind of the vague goal. And then we've got to turn that into something specific that you can measure. And this is what we do with our clients. You need to set a goal that you can say, have I actually achieved it? And am I on my way to achieving that? So how would you turn that into something that you can actually like tick the box? Because how can you can't really say, can you like, you, there's no defining thing in that goal that says I have achieved it. Because you could get fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter and have more and more and more energy. But there's no point where you're like, okay, now I am the perfect amount. You can pursue that forever. So how would you turn that into something you reckon you could measure? So the next thing I would think about is, um, think about what thing, like a thing you can tick off, which gets you that. So you've got to think, okay, so I want to be fit enough to run after my kids, which means I'm going to have to improve my fitness. I'm going to have to improve my cardio fitness. I'm going to have to be able to run for a longer period of time. So then you can transition that into, I'm going to do a, a 5K run. For example, let's say you're someone who doesn't run, you, you might do a 5K or a 10K run. And obviously, if when if you can complete that 10K run in a decent time, whatever time you decide to set yourself, then you're easily going to be able to keep up with your kid. I mean, I don't know about how, how fit kids are. I'm always surprised by how, how much kids can run, but I don't know if the average kid can just get up and run 10K with no training. So if, if mum can run 10K, but the kids can't, then you're obviously going to be able to keep up with the kids, so... Yeah, so I think that's a really good demonstration of how you turn that kind of vague goal, which is what most people stick with. And the problem with a vague goal is you can't track whether you're going towards it. So you can't say, with Ben's goal he just gave, you can track what if you're towards it. So you say, if you want to run a 5K, you can say, okay, week one, I want to run 1K. And then week two, I want to run 2K. And week three, I want to run 3K. And you can track if you're actually on track for it. And ultimately, you can tick at the end, I ran that 5K race. Um, whereas if you just say, I want to get fitter for the kids, and you do some random running, you don't really have a plan. You can't build a good plan around it. So I think that's a really good example. How about um, a weight loss kind of example as well now? So weight loss goal, yeah. The, the classic one is you say to someone, what, what do they want to achieve? And they're just like, I want to lose some weight. I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to be thinner. I'd like to be slimmer. Problem with that is, again, like Rob said before, that goal doesn't have an endpoint. So it's like, how, how much weight do you need to lose before you stop? You could lose like a kilo. You could lose half a kilo, and you could be like, "I'm done. I've lost. I've lost weight now." You could go and um, you could go for a wee or something, or and you've lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've lost half a liter of, of liquid. You've lost half a kilo. You tick off your goal. I lost weight. I'm done. But is that really is that really going to get what you what you want? It's not. If the reason you wanted to lose weight was so you could feel sexier for your other half or whatever it is. Uh, fit into certain a certain dress you used to wear to go to some kind of social event, then you're not going to get that by going to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, so and the converse, like the opposite of that, would be also saying I just want to lose weight and tone up, some sort of vague goal. 
than saying you've lost 50 kilos and you're still not happy because you you haven't set a, an end point for that goal where you can celebrate it and say, yeah, I've done that, I feel good. So you need to have something. I think we kind of did this in business for years. We didn't, we weren't taught this. And I know it sounds blindingly obvious now, but we would just, we wouldn't have any sort of goals financially in terms of number of customers, in terms of type of results we wanted to get with our customers. And it just was, we just worked relentlessly. I definitely remember days where we just would work like 16 hours. Ben would go to work, I would be working um, at home all day on the business. Ben would come back, he'd start working. We'd work until it was like 10, 11 p.m. Then we'd get up at five the next morning, then we'd start working. But we weren't working towards anything and it was just like this mad goose chase with no end point because we had no goals and no direction. It was just aimless work too. It was just like, how many um, how many followers can I add on Twitter today? Which doesn't really get you anything you want. Doesn't get doesn't put money in your bank account. Doesn't improve your quality of life. And I think most people are doing this <laughs> with fitness boost. as well. Most people are just they're going. Oh, I'm just going to eat like salads all day because that's mm. the, that's going to get me what I want. And they have no real long term aim with this. So you need to have a clear aim of what do you want. It needs to be specific and it needs to be something you can measure. So can you tick off an event you did or can you measure it? So in terms of the fitness goal, I don't think I'll let you finish on that. <laughs> fitness goal. Oh, that as a side thing I wanted to add in. Anyone watching this, don't set your goal as losing weight. It's a terrible idea. Oh yeah. Because if you think about the only thing okay, let's say you're in a competition where every single day before you leave your house you have to weigh yourself on a scales. And if you haven't lost enough weight, you're not allowed to leave the house, something like that. You might be able to achieve that goal by losing weight. But if you if you care about, you know, fitting into different clothes, feeling stronger, feeling more confident, feeling sexier, looking better in the mirror, weight doesn't really relate to any of these things. Because it just doesn't. The, the thing that most people care about is size rather than weight. Yeah, like visual appearance is what people care about, like how visual they look to other yeah. people and you, how they feel. People might say, you know, I, I hate how heavy I am now, but what they really mean is that I hate how big I've become. It's how it's how you're having to squeeze into clothes that are not fitting anymore that used to fit, having to go up a dress size and kind of buy a whole new wardrobe because you don't fit into your old clothes anymore. What people really want is to, most people really want, in my experience of working with thousands of women, is just the big one is always to get into the smaller dress size. So if they're a size 12, they want to get, it's always get back into a size eight. Like I want, or size ten, whatever it is. I want to get back into that size ten that I could get into when I was twenty-five. Or like jeans. A big one is like I want to get back into those size ten or size eight jeans that I used to be able to get into because that's what, like you said, when you were younger, you could fit into them. And people want to feel, again, in my experience, I want to feel younger. Yeah. The minute I went past twenty-five, <laughs> now I just want to feel younger, and I think everyone can relate to that one. People are gonna hate us on this podcast whenever we mention us feeling old in like in our twenties. Yeah, our clients freak out and they say you're not old. You wait, you wait till you get to oh, my yeah. age. We'll get we'll, sold we'll, off for this. We'll, we'll breeze past that point then. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically, uh, because I don't like to go into too much too much detail and fitness stuff and bore you all with it, but uh, muscle you probably know muscle and fat all weigh weigh different amounts. So you can be seventy kilos and all fat and be very big or you can be 70 kilos of rock hard lean muscle like sexy curves and you can be a dress size or two smaller at that same weight so a lot of people a good example of this a lot of those instagram fitness celebrities you see that have made you know 
they show you their transformation. They often say I'm heavier in the after photo than I am in the before photo, but they actually look slimmer. They look better visually when they're heavier than when they were lighter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's like all these models are constantly posting about it now, but if you don't follow them, what they're demonstrating is that they just, they've got into a better shape, but not necessarily lost weight. So don't focus on a weight goal. That is what we're trying to say here. I would focus on dress size or something else along those lines. Dress size is a very good one that we find, one dress size. And we haven't really talked about time frames, but time frames that we found work best are generally sort of 90 days in terms of goals because it's far enough away that you've got time to actually make that change, but it's close enough that you've got some kind of urgency. Like it's, um, it's because it, if you set, let's say a year goal, in my experience, there's just no reason to start working now. Three months down the line, I probably still wouldn't bother starting. It's like if you had a deadline at school and your teacher says you've got a month to create this thing, you just think, ah, haha, I'm not gonna do anything until three days before. That tends to be what happens or two days before and then you suddenly start. So if you set a goal that's too far away, there's no motivation there either. So to get motivated, you need to set it close enough so that you can aim for it. So we would recommend 90 days. And if you're gonna do a weight loss goal, I'm doing a, we're not on video here, so I don't know why I'm doing these, what do you call them, air quotes? Air quotes, yeah. If you wanna do a weight loss goal, aim for a dress size instead, that's what we recommend. And if you wanna get fitter, then I would choose an event if you wanna get fitter. For me, that's been, honestly, the best goals I've set in fitness have been ones with an event because it puts so much pressure on you in a good way to get, get on with it and you can visualize yourself like, in my opinion, the, <laughs> this might sound negative, but I can visualize myself suffering at that event if I haven't done enough work. So it makes me do the work because I don't want to be that person that's like the least fit there and that's struggling really badly. I want to be the person who does, does all right. I'm not necessarily going to be the person who wins, but I don't want to struggle too much. I've got a funny story now from uh, when, when me and Rob decided we were first going to kind of get in shape. Um, well, the, the time I kind of really saw the biggest improvements in my own fitness was when we decided for some reason that we were going to be like models in a in a charity fashion show. So we signed up for this charity fashion show where we knew we were going to have to stand in front of 300 people in our underwear. And like Rob said, if you know you're going to stand in 300 in front of 300 people in your underwear, you you're not going to skip a gym session. You're not going to eat that pizza. You're not going to you know sabotage your diet because there's big consequences to it. It's not just you're gonna feel bad, you're gonna look you're gonna look bad in front of all those people as well. And this like we're talking about motivation on this podcast. A lot of these things might be perceived as negative, but you've got to think what actually works. Like I don't care if something's positive or negative, if it gets me the result I want. So as Ben said, the fashion show is a really good one. And I'm just gonna say this. I think pretty much Ben Ben wanted to be the model. And then <laughs> he did two, two I think, before I got in on the game. I did two fashion shows. I did two fashion shows. I did a photo shoot once. Didn't you also get bought? Um, oh, some... I, I went to a, um, yeah, as part of one of the societies I went to at uni, they had a an auction for charity. A man auction. Like a basically a man auction, like a man and woman auction. Where I had to, I had to walk up and down a catwalk. I had to like answer a few questions. It was like a kind of, like take me out or something. And when women had to bid money to go on a date with me, I I was sold for thirty pounds, and I had to go on a date with this girl. That um, seems pretty good money. We, you... I hope she's not listening. We went to the park. We went to Wagamama's. It was really, it was really awkward because 
I, I don't know. I didn't really want to go on a date with her. I just had to because she paid money. She for paid it. lots of money for you. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. So Ben was the one who got got us into this modeling thing, and then he said, "I'm doing this fashion show. You should do it." And I think maybe were we single at the time we signed up? It sounds like something we would have done when we were single, but. I think we both had girlfriends. I had girlfriends both times I did these fashion shows. So there was no benefit. There were loads of like beautiful girls who were doing the fashion show with us. And I got nothing out of it other than, other than getting to prance up and down this catwalk <laughs> in Calvin Klein's in front of people. But it was a really good incentive to get into fitness, take control of like your our diets and, and kind of give us something to aim for. And we also did a few photo shoots for business again, back in the day when we thought we wanted to be kind of fitness models. Yeah. And when you know you have to, get photos that are going to be posted all over the internet or when you know you're going to be stood in front of hundreds of people, you do get on and do it. So an event is a really good goal. That was my point before the tangent. Um, so they're the two things I would say to look for is a dress size as a goal and uh, some kind of event with a fitness event. This is this is something that not many people will set themselves an event whether it's some kind of race, whether it's a photo shoot, whether it's whatever. But if you set yourself that, you're, you're, it's, it's a massive, massive boost to whether you're going to achieve that goal or not. If you give yourself that event, it's like giving yourself so much more leverage over being able to take the actions you need to take to get to your goal. And even better, even better than that, I would say is pay for the event at the beginning of your challenge. Don't say I'm going to pay for it later make sure you sign up for it at the beginning because otherwise you'll weasel your way out. I know this because I will do it myself. If I haven't paid for it at the beginning, um, I haven't told anyone I'm gonna do it at the beginning and then I'll try and get my way out of it. And even better, I'd sign up to it with someone else because I signed up last year, I signed up to a CrossFit competition uh, in winter and I signed up with no one else and it was too far away from where I lived. It was in Kent and we live in Bath and no one else was coming with me and it was just so much hassle and I didn't tell anyone really I was going to do it. And then I hurt my knee, but I probably could have, I don't know if I could have done it, but let's say I didn't hurt my knee. I'm not sure I would have ended up going anyway because I just didn't, I didn't do it properly. I didn't sign up properly and I didn't commit to doing it with other people. So the best way to do an event, I would say, is find someone else, find a friend, uh, find a, your partner and say, we're going to do this event. We're going to pay for it now. Let's say it's a Tough Mudder 5K mm. or 5K race. Whatever it is you're going to do, sign up for it now. And then you have that kind of, what's the word? It's not peer pressure. You do have a bit of social pressure, but you have that incentive to keep, to go after it. Yeah, there's like, there's like two people that you're letting down if you sign up with somebody else. You're letting yourself down and you're letting the person you did it with down. Like I did the same thing as Rob. I signed up for a Spartan race at some point as one of my, one of my challenges, which I just didn't go to. I just couldn't be bothered. Woke up and I was like, nope, don't fancy this. Um, but on the flip side of it, I did a, me and Rob did an SAS course experience thing together. Both went to that. Um, and I did a I did a bike race once with my dad. So I did all the training with him. And yeah, that really, really pushed me to succeed because there was like almost two people counting on me, not just myself. Yeah, I think that's that's an important thing to consider. Because if you're the kind of person who struggles for motivation anyway, then you're going to try and let yourself, try and, you're going to try and back out of it at the last minute. Like you've got to understand how you work. When trying to get motivated, you've got to understand how you're going to weasel out of it and then shut all the doors so you can't get out of it for yourself. Like a lot of it's about that and not letting yourself off the hook. Because chances are, if you struggle for motivation, you're the kind of person, and we all are like this, 
who tries to weasel out of these things at the last minute or even at the beginning. So you've got to got to leave no chance. Like I did a CrossFit competition last this no last year last March with four people. It was a team of four. And I did another one in the summer with a team of two. And those were both really motivating because I knew I had that other person, like Ben said, counting on me to do it. And if I didn't if I, I didn't pull my weight for the team, then I would have not felt good and I would have felt embarrassed and I'd let more people down than just myself. So those, those event ones are really good, but I would do them with someone else if you absolutely can. So let's continue because we could talk about just goal setting for forever. Forever, yeah. So... <laughs> We're, we're looking at goal setting still. So we've talked about where are you now, the impact on the areas of your life, and then what do you want? Finally, we've got, you've got to come up with your why. Why do you actually want it? So Ben, how would you come up with your why? Oh, it's um, literally a case of asking yourself the same question like 10 or so times. So I would start with a blank sheet. In, the, in this journal that you've written down, the impact in the areas... Um, where where you are now, the impact that has on your life, and then the goal that you want to achieve, write that goal down at the top. So like, I want to do a Tough Mudder 5K, whatever it is. And then ask yourself the question, why does that matter? So why does it matter that I do that Tough Mudder 5K? So the reason might be so that I can be fit enough to run around and play with my kids. And then you just ask the same question again. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that you're fit enough to run around and play with your kids? Because you want to set a good example for them and be the best mum you can be. And then you ask that question again. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that you're um, setting a good example to your kids and you're the best mum that you can be to them? And this is going to be personal to to every single person, but you might want to be the best mum you can be. This is hard for me because I'm not a mum. <laughs> but I've, I've gone through this with, on webinars with a lot of people. It might be so that your kids grow up to be fit and healthy and live long and prosper. Exactly. <laughs> I so, don't know. So yeah, if your kids are following the example that mum is setting them and mum is showing them that you're really fit and healthy, then they, they might also grow up fit and healthy. So by going through this process and continuing to ask this question, why does it matter? Or an alternative version is what changes in your life? What changes in my life if I get this? Then you get to the reason for doing it, which, which really matters to you. If you're like, I'm do I'm gonna do a tough matter five k because it would be cool to run five k if that's your why because it would be cool you're gonna fail you're gonna to get to all of this is setting you up for how you're gonna behave on the worst day so when you have that day where you wake up and you feel crap um, you don't want to do anything you're feeling a bit ill you're really stressed work is going badly on that day if you're thinking like okay why am I gonna bother going out for a run today why am I gonna to go to the gym today because I need to do that five k because it would be cool. No, you're, you're going to fail if that's your why. If your why is because I need to set a good example for my kids so they grow up to be fit and healthy. You're like, why am I going to get out the door, put my trainers on and go for a run today? I'm going to do it because I, I want my kids to have the best life they can and to be fit and healthy. That is going to drive you to actually do like do what you need to do on those bad days. So that's why the why is so important. Yeah, it's, it's, I didn't really cover the why you need a why. But as Ben has just said, it's basically the reason why you're going to do all this work. Why does it matter to you? And that will help you unlock even more motivation. It's like getting motivated is almost like answering a series of questions. We do a two-day breakthrough event. It's called Unstoppable. Um, this, I'm not trying to like pitch it now. I'm just trying to say almost all that two-day breakthrough event is. There's a bit of fitness, but mostly it's just asking difficult questions in an environment where you can't get distracted. So no one has their phones and stuff. And they just have to go through them and people find motivation like they've never had before 
just because they get really clear on these questions like why do they want things why are they not doing things so these questions might seem obvious or they might seem stupid but they are the most important thing i think to, to setting yourself up to win from day one so there's things there's other things we're going to talk about in a little bit about getting motivated longer term and yep. staying motivated but at the start you've got to set yourself up to win and that why is really important and the other way I'd also look at that why is I'd look back at the impact on your life now, first of all, to get the inspiration. You're probably clear on that now. So you've looked at the impact on your life, on your relationships, on your kids, on your work. And then you can use that to then craft your, your why. And for me, like I get up to go to CrossFit every morning. Um, I do CrossFit and I talk about it all the time because that's what CrossFit people do. But the reason I get up at 6.30 and go to the gym, I never actually feel good. I feel like crap every morning I wake up. I'm not a morning person. But I know if I don't do it, I'm really groggy all morning because I'm not a morning person. And then I don't perform well at work. And at this stage, Ben and I really want to grow the business and help more people. And the only way to do that is by being awake and functioning well and not spending my whole morning grumpy and moody and not um not focused so that is the reason why i get up so you've got to have a why but a bigger why behind your whole goal so we've gone through setting a goal where are you now what's the impact on your life what do you want and why do you want it so you need to answer those four questions and we'd suggest you journal them now let's say we've got a goal ben we've set it we've answered those questions and it's you've done that but then what do you do like what's the next step how do you actually go from having that to starting to work towards it or achieving it so yeah the next step is taking that goal which can be quite a big thing because if you've set yourself if that's so you you can't um you can't run a mile and you've set yourself run a 10k that can be like a big mountain to climb but it's so it's then necessary to think you know what can i actually do now what do i need to do right now to get me towards that goal so it's getting down to that very 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 simple daily actions and uh, quick before we go on Rob was saying about how we do this two-day event just around goal setting all these questions we've asked all of this stuff we've come up with is not like it's nothing revolutionary it's just nobody really bothers with this inside of fitness if you look into the areas of like business coaching life coaching we've been to all kinds of events like that and it there's so much focus on the goal setting you'll pay like thousands of pounds to go to an event where you'll sit down for a few days and just literally go through goal setting for two or three days because it makes such a big difference. Somebody, it's it's the same as somebody who wants to make 10 million pounds. They've got to go through this goal setting process to get there. And it, so if you apply those really powerful goal setting processes, which can be used for life coaching, business coaching, all of these things, and you apply that to fitness, the impact of this is massive. It's crazy that nobody else actually puts any focus on this. So... After you've set that goal, you've really got to then break it down into um, the smaller components that you can actually take action on each day. Because if, you know, if I sit here now and I say, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, I can't just think of a goal. I'm going to go run a marathon um, and I'm going to try and pull that off in a day. Obviously, I can't just go out now and run 26 miles. I'm going to have to break that down into some smaller actions, which are going to take me towards running that 26 miles. So yeah you say obviously but i'm not sure like for that marathon goal i think people know that's what you need to do because there's marathon running plans and things but let's say it's for a dress size goal a lot of people then or weight loss goal i think a lot of people end up stuck and losing motivation because they have no idea how to actually do this next step or they don't do it 
I think a lot of people look at that big goal, like you said, and then it seems so big and it seems so unachievable. And maybe you've failed to achieve that before loads of times. You've like, you've started a diet, you've started the five, two or the Weight Watchers plan or Slimming World or the body coach or whatever. You started one of these things, but you've not really, you've just, you just know there's a big goal at the end and then you're not really sure what the next step is. Those those things might guide you through it a little bit, but a lot of things don't guide you through it in enough detail and break things down enough. So it just seems like this overwhelming thing. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> trying to get that out. It just seems overwhelming. So you end up procrastinating and saying, I don't know what to do next. Like, let's say you set a goal to make a million pounds um, with a new business. Let's say you're going to start a new business and that's such a big goal that you just don't know what the next step is. You're like, oh, I've made none now and I've got to make a million and oh it's just too much and then you end up doing nothing like most people end up stuck doing nothing because they haven't broken it down so the key is to break things down into smaller chunks kind of like bite-sized chunks in our experience so that then you can say all I need to do is this and then I know at the end of the week, I'll be one step closer. And I know, well, I know after that action, I'll be one step closer. The week, I'll be a few steps closer. The month, I'll be quite a few steps closer. And then it'll add up. So it's all about little steps, isn't it? It's not about, it's not about a giant leap. It's not about, as Ben said, running 26 miles in one day or running 10 miles and then 26 miles. It's about looking at what is the, what is the next thing I can do. So we need to break that into daily actions. Yeah, like if, if your goal, the only measuring point you have Let's say for weight loss, the only measuring point you have is I want to drop a dress size. And then in the first week of whatever your, your plan is, you change your habits, you do something different, you start being healthy, etc. Even if you've got a plan to follow, if the only measurement you've got is I need to drop a dress size in the first week, you don't see any movement in terms of your measurements. It's very easy to say like, well, you know, you look at the goal, you look at, okay, I needed to lose three inches from my waist in order to achieve the goal. And I've lost a zero in the first week. So I may as well give up. It's not working. I'm going to quit. Yeah, often isn't like, like this is a really good point. It's not, it's often like, you. The, the, coming back to that business goal I talked about, I'll, I'll try not to bore everyone with business goals, but it's a good example. With that million pound one, you're not gonna start making 50,000 pounds in the first week. You'll probably make nothing in the first few weeks or months as you develop like a marketing strategy or whatever. Same with fat loss, that the first couple of weeks might be shifting bad habits or they might be, just starting to exercise, but the results might not come straight away. So you need some way of saying, am I on track? Am I actually doing like each day? Am I doing the right thing? A lot of people lose motivation because they don't see results quick enough uh, in their mind. So they just kind of fall off track. So what we do is we have a scoring system. So why don't you explain a little bit about how we score people so they know they're doing the work every single day? So yeah, if, if the only winning the only measurement of did I win is did did I lose a dress size at the end, then you have no idea whether you're winning or losing for the entire length of the plan. Let's say it's 90 days. You've got 90 days of being in this sort of mystery zone where you don't know whether you're winning. And then at the end, you're like, okay, did I win this? Yes or no, I've got no idea. But if you have a scoring system, then you know each day, did you win? Did you succeed today? And if you, if you can tick something off that you did, it's very you know easy to keep track of easy to uh, say yes I did this or no I didn't then you can feel good and you can feel like you've made progress every single day even if as we said like let's say you don't see any weight loss for two weeks that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if you see the result you want to see at the end then I'm sure most people would agree that 
having two weeks of seeing no progress would be completely fine as long as you get that result at the end. So during those two weeks, it's really important to have a scoring system where you can tick off, you know, I did my actions today and I, I won today because then that's going to keep you motivated and keep you on track. So the way we do it is we break the scores down into three areas. So uh, workouts, um, nutrition stuff, and then mindset. And uh, our clients basically just tick off these things. They say, I did my I did my workout today. They probably have to do, not every single day, but the days they do a workout, they tick off, they did a workout, the nutrition stuff, I did the right nutrition today. And mindset, I did some mindset exercises today. You tick those three things off every single day. And 90 days later, you are hopefully standing with the result Happy with the results you see. 83% of people, is it 83%? Yeah. At the time of recording this, 83% of people, as long as they take these daily actions, they do say that they're happy with their results at the end of 90 days. So breaking it down is massive. makes a huge difference. Yeah, this is one of the things that changed the game for us big time between making we tried to continually make like better and better fitness plans didn't we? We like improved, we've read all the science and then we consulted with fitness coaches and we launched new fitness plans and then barely any people stuck to it still. And then we launched even better ones and still barely any people stuck to it. And we couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. Like we couldn't figure out what was missing. And it was all these elements we're talking about today. So we didn't have a goal setting process. We just said, here's the plan. And this is what most people do. They just like chuck the action plan at you. They say, here's your 90 day action plan, follow that. But they don't give you any way of scoring it. They don't make you set a good goal. They don't break that goal down. So what ends up happening is you just start aimlessly following it and you just, you feel lost. You feel really lost. You feel kind of doubting yourself. You see other people achieving different results on different plans or on the same one and you start thinking, am I doing the right thing? So you need some way of saying every single day, did I do what I needed to do? Because the path to success is, I think a lot of people get it confused. I know I just touched on this already, but they think it's like a, a load of big actions or like massive action as Tony Robbins called it. And the reality is the clients for us that succeed are the ones who, they're not perfect all the time. They don't have to be perfect. There's no winning for being perfect. It's just the people who are consistently pretty good. So they, they eat the right amount most days. They work out three or four times a week and they just do that and they do that. They do that for a day and then they do that the next day and they do that the next day and then they do that for a week and then they do that for another week and then you add all of that up and you add all that work up and that's what gets you the result. It's not a case of some big drastic action and that's what most people seem to be doing is they're like i'm gonna eat nothing or i'm gonna eat this really complicated meal plan and stick to that religiously or i'm gonna do six days of workouts a week and then they burn out and they can't stick to it so you need a daily scoring system that keeps you accountable and that you can kind of track whether you're you're doing the work or not as as rob said the clients who see really good results for us are the ones where they measure their success by the scores they got. So by the actions they take each day, like did I do my nutrition? Did I do my workouts? They don't measure their success by necessarily by what they see in the mirror. Cause the way we do it, we have a coach who manages, you know, if you're not seeing progress, you get in touch with your coach and your coach deals with your progress. They worry about the nuts and bolts of the fitness stuff. And all you've got to worry about is the um, the scoring. And it's exactly the same with everything. Like if I, if I have a goal to go and run a marathon and I go out with a training run on Tuesday and my performance is crap, like I'm supposed to run 10 miles, let's say, and I get to mile seven and I am absolutely exhausted. I have to drag myself through those last few miles. I have a really bad run. 
if I then judge my, like, did I win on my performance? Then in that situation, I'm very likely to feel down. I'm very likely to feel miserable. Like, oh, I did really crap on my run today. I'm going to give up. Whereas if I judge my, kind of my success on, did I do a run? Yes or no? Then I'm like, yeah, I did a run. Even though it was a bad run, even though it wasn't great, I did a run. So then you go into the next day and you're like, yeah, I did my run yesterday. I'm going to do my run again today. I'm going to do my run again tomorrow. So when you can detach yourself from the outcome of your actions, it's much easier to stay motivated. People say, how can I stop myself from self-sabotaging and feeling down? Um, if you if you can remove the whole idea of like, I failed from your diet or whatever it is you're following, then it's much, much easier to stay motivated. People say, a lot of people say, another one of the top questions we got was, how can I not feel guilty when I'm dieting? So for example, there are approaches you can follow where your success is measured by, you know, did you stick rigidly to this meal plan? So you go out for a meal one night with your friends to enjoy your social life, you have a curry, and you've failed for the entire day. You've failed your meal plan, there's nothing you can do, so you feel crap at the end of the day, and then you wake up tomorrow, you're like, I failed yesterday, oh, can't be bothered to even put effort in today, and then you end up giving up. I'd say the biggest problem with people trying to get in shape at the moment is not, it's not that they've got the wrong approach, um, it's just that the approach is set up in a way where it's very, very easy to give up on yourself after a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Yeah, consistency is the most important thing, without doubt. As long as you've got a reasonable approach, it doesn't have to be perfect. So it's just about being consistent with it. And if you're going to self-sabotage and beat yourself up because you're you're gauging it, you're not really scoring what you're doing or you're gauging it by the wrong metric, then you're going to end up falling off the wagon. And the longer you spend off the wagon, the more likely you are to go back and then have to undo loads of your hard work. And this is what most people do is they end up in this cycle of seeing a bit of progress, self-sabotaging, undoing their hard work then they get back on it again and the same thing happens and they just go round and round and round and round in this loop and maybe this has happened to you as well if you're listening to this so the key is you need to have some way of scoring it that's not just related to the goal it's related to the actions you need to take to achieve the goal because you can't rely on things like weight or body fat going down every single week can you because those things are like are quite variable let's say like ben said if i drink two liters of water i put on two kilos or if I um, if my hormones change, I mean, I'm less variable as a, as a guy. This is just the way it is. But as a woman, if your hormones change, you can actually gain one or two kilos on your period. And then you can think I'm going the wrong way. I'm I'm not I'm not seeing the results I want. But if you know you've done the work for the week and you've ticked all the boxes and you've got good scores for the week, then you can say, I know I'm on my period or I know it's coming. I know I've gained a bit of weight, but that's irrelevant because I've done all the work. And I know if I do the work for the next week, then once my hormones have settled again, I know I'll be further along. And we've had loads of people who've said to us, I didn't measure my weight for the whole 90 days. They measured it at the beginning so we can, or our coaches can come up with nutrition targets for them. But they said they weighed it at the end and they go, oh, I lost one stone and seven, that doesn't add up, one stone 17 pounds. Like one stone <laughs> and X number of pounds. Often they lose well over a stone, maybe even two stone. Um, and they didn't even know because they didn't measure that metric. So then they knew it wasn't that important. They just measured the things that are important. So scores for the week. And you need some kind of scoring system. We would recommend you you tick the boxes with your workouts. You tick the boxes with whatever nutrition approach you're following. And it needs to be something kind of flexible. So what we do is we just track calories. And we say, are you within, within 100 calories uh, of your target each day? And then with the mindset, we just have a simple routine. 
that they do daily. So they just tick the box. They did, I do my simple mindset routine each day. And as long as they're ticking those boxes, they will be progressing. Like as Ben said, our co- if, it, if they're not, our coach will just look into it and tweak the, the program. So it's very simple, very straightforward. You just need some sort of scoring system that works for you. So we're trying to break it down. I want to also quickly touch on benchmarks. So what are what are the benchmarks? Um, benchmarks are so like along the way, we've just said how, you know, your daily actions are the most important thing. But also, obviously, your whether you're seeing progress towards that goal is also really important. So if you're having to run, let's do the marathon again, running 26 miles in between now and those 26 miles, it's good to set some kind of benchmark. So let's say you've got 90 days and at the end of 90 days, you're going to be able to run 26 miles. I have no idea about running training, by the way. If, you, if you're an expert on this, this could be completely unrealistic. It could be completely possible. I have no idea. So basically, if you say by 30 days, I'm going to have to run a third of the distance of the marathon. So 26 divided by three, it's about nine. So you say I'm going to run nine miles by 60 days. I'm going to run, no, by 30 days, sorry, I'm going to run 17 miles by 60 days, and I'm going to be able to run 26 miles by the 90 days. So when you've set these benchmarks in place, you can get to 30 days and you can test your mileage, run run as far as you can. Again, this is showing my terrible knowledge of run training, so I'm not sure how how you'd go about this. Do some sort of test, see if you can run the nine miles, then you can say, okay, did I run the nine miles? Yes or no? If it's a yes, then you're like, okay, continue with the plan. If it's a no, you're like, okay, what do I need to change at this point so that by the 60 days, I can run the 17 miles. Then you can tweak and change your approach as you go. And this is exactly what we do. We get coaches to do with our clients, 30 days, 60 days, client will check in. They will say, these are my waist measurements now. I've lost four inches from my waist, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or I haven't lost any inches from my waist. And the coach will say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to tweak the calories like this. We're going to tweak the workouts like this. So that by 60 days, you're back on track with the whatever result you wanted to achieve. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to end up waiting till day 90, aren't you, to, to check if you're on track or you're not really going to know where you should be along the way. So it's important to break it down into those 30-day and 60-day benchmarks as well. So with the waist size one, it would be a similar game. It'd be like, let's say, and this isn't, again, these are arbitrary numbers. Let's say you started off with a 33-inch waist and you know you should be at a 30 inch waist by day 90 to hit your dress size goal, then you can go, okay, it's day 30. Have I got down to a 32 inch waist? Yes or no? If not, you're gonna to need to change some stuff. If you are, then that's great and you continue. And then you say at day 60, have I got down to 31 inch waist? Yes or no? And again, you can change stuff. Because if you, if you measure it, then you can manage it. If you don't measure it, then you can't manage it. And therefore you don't have control. And this, the whole point is you're, you need to put yourself in control of where you're going so we've broken it down we've set a goal we've broken it down now we're going to talk about we call this kind of playing the game but actually the daily game so ben let's jump into playing the game that basically what we mean by that is just doing the daily actions so what kind of things would you advise people do when it comes to doing the daily actions every single day that they know they need to do so up to this point we've basically just been setting out this game so if we're if we're playing monopoly for example we've just uh we've set up all the all the little pieces i've chosen the uh what is there's a car the iron rob's the little dog or something someone else is the iron and we've set up all the pieces on the board we've decided the rules of the game what benchmarks we need to achieve what goal we're going to achieve at the end what daily actions we need to take um how do we decide if we're winning yes or no and then it's just a case of you know you wake up tomorrow 
you look at the game you've created for yourself and you just play it. So you pick up whatever you're using to score yourself, Excel spreadsheet, a journal, a diary, tracking journal, whatever it is, and then you just go for it. You just take take the actions to play that game. And the whole point of playing the game, so let's say we keep calling it a game, all we mean is doing the actions. So like doing a workout, that could be part of your game three times a week. So let's say you're gonna do a workout Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's say you're going to track your calories within some sort of aim with some sort of target uh, every single day throughout the week and you're going to do a simple mindset routine this is just basically what we do with our clients let's say you're playing that game the key thing is at the beginning if you're not used to doing this a lot of people have huge expectations for themselves they put loads of pressure on themselves but if you've been off track let's say it's been christmas which obviously it has been around about now when we're recording this and You've let everything slip. You've not really been exercising much. You've not. You've been eating all the cheese and all the brie, all the chocolate, um, whatever it is you do over Christmas, drinking lots of wine. And then you try and go into all of this from day one, you are going to fail. Like, you are going to fall off the wagon. Maybe I should call it that rather than failure, but you're going to fall off the wagon. So the key thing is to realize that from day one, because I think a lot of people have these expectations that they're going to go back to how they were doing it last summer or last year or when they were younger or how someone else is doing it. But the point is it's quite difficult at the start because you're embedding new habits. Like you've got all these new habits you're trying to build, so we'd recommend you keep them quite simple. But it's gonna be difficult. But it, the key thing is to realize it'll get easier. So you've just gotta keep going. You're gonna fall flat on your face. You're gonna face plant in terms of uh, dieting. You're gonna probably, you're probably gonna eat all the biscuits one day. You're probably gonna miss a workout. But as long as you learn from what happened, and then try and implement something like a new strategy to overcome that. Let's say you were tired at work and you didn't go to your workout. As long as you reflect on that each week, and this is what we do again at the end of each week, isn't it? We do what we call course correction, where we reflect on the week and we say what worked well, what didn't work. Then you can just say, okay, I'm gonna do workouts in the morning because for me, as an example, I was terrible when I had a full-time job. Uh, and even now I'd be terrible. Going to the gym in the evenings most of the time doesn't work for me because I'm tired. I've got other things going on and I will just always skip it. So my strategy was just say, I'm going to go in the morning and I have to go in the morning because I know I can't go in the evening and I'm not going to give myself that excuse. So as long as you live and learn, the game gets easier and easier and easier. Like habits take a long time to embed. Um, they, you, can't, you can't become some sort of fitness freak or some fit and healthy person overnight. So you've got to give it a bit of time. So be kind to yourself and realize you're going to fall off the wagon Success is just like a series of failures in anything you do, and it is hard, but you will get there. So just start, just put one step in front of each, in front of the other. That's my advice anyway. Have you got anything else you wanna add on terms of just doing, playing the game as we call it? I would start and make sure the game is one you can actually win as well. So for example, um, I did a goal that was to do, to get better at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So I set myself a number of sessions I had to do, and the first time I set this goal, I did it for 90 days and I set myself, I'm gonna do 12 sessions. So it was one every single week. So it was a game I could easily win. I could easily squeeze in those one sessions a week alongside all of my other stuff. Some weeks I would do two sessions, some weeks I would do zero sessions. And, but overall I, I easily achieved that goal because it was a game I, would, I, I could win. Nowadays, I aim for probably three to four sessions per week. But if I'd gone back to that original goal, and I'd set myself a game where I had to do four sessions a week for 12 weeks. So it's 48 sessions over those 90 days. 
I would have failed. There would be no way I could have succeeded at that game. So I would have started on week one, done a couple of sessions, probably felt really sore, um, like beaten up from doing these sessions. And then I would have quit in the first week because I would look at the look at the game and be like, there's absolutely no way I can win this. I remember seeing, um, there's a game show on the Discovery Channel where they were comparing humans and chimps. And they set up these chimps with some kind of game they had to win. It was like... Um, they had to balance something on a table or something, and they made the they made the game winnable for the chimp the first time around. Took them out of the room and then made it so that these things it wouldn't work the second time around. And as soon as the chimp thought, you know, he was in, he'd been given the game he couldn't win. He freaked out. He was throwing things all over the place, getting crazy. And then they did the same thing with humans, where they set up a fake game show, and they gave one of the contestants on the fake game show a buzzer, where if they pushed it, it didn't make any noise. So one of the per one of the people was getting, un they were losing unfairly because they couldn't win this game. The same thing happened, just like the chimp. The guy freaked out, started shouting, stormed off the set. So when you get set a game you can't win as a human, you will do exactly what this chimpanzee did: throw everything, throw all the toys out the pram, and pack it all in, and just decide you're going to self sabotage. You'll just be like, "Well, I can't win this. Order a pizza, open the Ben and Jerry's, get a bottle of wine." Face plant. Oh, voice went a bit weird there. Face plant into the biscuits. Yeah, it's so true. And so many people do this in fitness. I don't know why it's with health and fitness particularly. People go mental. They go, I've not done anything all Christmas, but I'm going to now work out every day. And I'm going to I'm gonna cook from this, this special meal plan every day. And funnily enough, that doesn't work. So for example, with our clients, we, we don't let them set targets where they're going to be perfect because we know... 99% of the time no one can be perfect like if they say I'm going to hit my eat score this is what we do for our nutrition seven days a week and I'm going to do all my workouts and I'm going to do the mindset routine every day for the entire 90 days that is an impossible game because you're going to get ill or you're going to have a holiday or you're going to have a bad day where you simply can't do something and the minute you have one bad day if you've set that that impossible goal then you failed the whole 90 day challenge and I've done this as well so you've got to set a game you can win as Ben said and what we've found with all sorts of goals is set one that's it's maybe slightly challenging, but I, I really, I don't know about you. I disagree with this. A lot of people talk about, oh, you need to set a scary goal, a big scary goal that's going to scare you. But whenever I've done that, I've literally just started aiming towards it, reviewed my progress after one week and gone, well, I've completely flopped at this. This is impossible. And then I've kind of just given up. Ben, I think just snapped his chair. Um, <laughs> I just completely give up. So I don't agree with this big scary goal thing. I think I think it's um, I think it's a load of bullshit to be honest. I think it's just it's setting yourself up to lose unless you're some sort of psychopath, which most people are not. So I would set a goal that's actually achievable, like Ben said, something like a target for daily action you're going to complete, complete that you can actually do and feel good about yourself. So let's say you're going to start working out. Maybe just try and work out two times a week or three times a week, and then if you do more, then that's great. But you don't have to then beat yourself up if you if you only do two a week or three a week. Be realistic. Like if you're a mum with kids, trying to work out seven days a week is probably a bit crazy. So make the game one you can win. And then in terms of habits, I think it's very important to realize that motivation gets you going. So motivation will start you off. And this is what this whole goal setting thing we've just talked about will do. It'll get you going and it'll give you the fuel to kind of make you get you going on your journey but to keep you going you need to turn that into then a habit because what habits do is over time they become easier and easier to execute and i think it's after about 66 days 
the habit reaches a point of the average habit reaches a point where it's as easy as it'll ever get so if you can stick to something most days for 66 days it will suddenly become this thing that you can almost do with barely any thought so the start's gonna be difficult the first week's gonna be difficult maybe the first two weeks but after that it'll start getting easier and easier and easier and easier and most fit and healthy people are not actually any like they're born the same person i think this is always really important like they, they're born they're still born a baby with they're not born like this motivated person uh. all they've done is they've started doing stuff and then it's got easier because they've started doing more and more of it and they've learned what works for them and what doesn't work and they keep doing that so to become that person you've just got to do what that person would do and and make these habits a reality by practicing them every day and they'll get easier and they'll get easier and bear in mind that it'll be hard at the start but it'll get easier and like a great a great example of this is like I can't like Ben and I, I know because we have this discussion a lot. If we've got pizza in the oven, uh, in the oven, in the freezer, or we've got, um, we've got ice cream or we've got a bag of crisps or a bag of popcorn, like you had popcorn earlier. If that's in the cupboard and then I've also got in the fridge, like uncooked chicken breast and I've got rice and I've got a load of vegetables, despite being fit guys that are like into our fitness and have been for years, I will still go and cook the pizza every single time i'll still go and open the popcorn every single time mm. i don't know about i think ben's exactly the same as me on this one I'm exactly the same you have to build up that um that kind of habit over time like when i the first time i was allowed to manage my own food when i went to university my mum, you know my mum used to get pretty healthy stuff in the house so there would be you know she wouldn't have chocolate and crisps and stuff in the house which kind of helped me as a kid but then as soon as I was able to allowed to manage my own food, I would have, you know, I'd go to the supermarket for my weekly shop. I'd buy seven of the big 100 gram dairy milk bars, stack them up in the cupboard to have one every day, Monday to Monday to Sunday. Breakfast, probably have bacon sandwiches with ketchup, lunch, fish finger sandwiches, ketchup, dinner, burgers, chips and pizza, bit of cake for pudding, my dairy milk bar, and that'd be it. I mean, luckily for me, I am one of these annoying people that everybody hates that I don't, I, I struggle to put on weight. Like I said out before, as a skinny kid, you would struggle to put on fat. I mean, obviously I did eventually start getting a bit out of shape with this ridiculously unhealthy diet, but yeah, that was my, that was my normal at one point. And then I went through this goal setting process with all these fashion shows and, and so on by accident almost, but then through that process and training for that, I then went to kind of a new normal that was, I was fine with eating chicken, rice and broccoli for every meal. I've gone to the absolute extreme from like eating crap every meal to eating like the most boring classic fitness food ever. But then that becomes your new normal. As Rob was saying, you play this game for a certain period of time, 66 days, you build that new habit and then your normal, you'll get to the point where your normal is, you'll work out four times a week you will eat well six out of seven days a week and you will have one day off at the weekend where you eat whatever you want. And that's it. You can maintain that. It's effortless. It's easy. You become one of those people who's one of those like air quotes, fit people who just, who can just do it. You can just stay in shape effortlessly. Yeah. And we had, we had clients who stayed in shape over Christmas and well, more importantly, they stayed in shape. They said they, some of them worked out Christmas day and they did all these things they said they've never done before. And it kind of happens, um, well, with the right approach, it kind of happens subtly. Suddenly you're like, ah, oh, I can actually do this now. But at the beginning, it's not going to be that easy. So that's the key thing. And 
the worse habits you've got into, the longer it's going to take to shift them, but you can still shift them. So you've just got to believe and start. Like you've got to believe and start and then learn from what doesn't work. So that's the other lesson from what we just talked about then. I know we're on a little bit of a tangent, but for example, my example there of having all the, the junk food in the house, that doesn't work. Like it still doesn't work for me and Ben now. We'll still eat it. So we very, we limit how much we have to, to the bare minimum that we can get away with eating. And then that's just one example of a habit that we get into of like the other day I had these biscuits in my cupboard. I was tempted to eat them. So I took them to the food bank in our local supermarket and just put them in the food bank because I thought I'm just going to eat these otherwise. I don't even want to eat them. I don't even like eating them that much. But because they're in the cupboard and they're nice and the other option is chicken breast or well, you don't have to eat all these boring foods. Side note, like we eat a lot more interesting stuff than that now. We don't have to eat chicken, rice and broccoli. But compared to having to cook my own food, I'm much more likely to eat these biscuits. The good, good example of this I just thought was, um, I thought you were going to say you ate those biscuits. But remember, we had I some... I did eat the first pack. We had some cheese and biscuits. for. We bought them for, you know, we had a fancy meal or something at some point. So there was these packet of biscuits on the side, like, you know, crackers that you'd have with cheese and biscuits. And they sat on the side for probably two weeks and me and Rob were playing like chicken with them almost like Rob was like I'm not going to eat these biscuits we like turned over a new leaf as soon as Christmas was over it's like I'm going to be healthy now I'm going to be 100% healthy so I was trying to eat my good food then it just took one crap day I came along and I just ate the entire pack of biscuits loads of cheese chutney that's butter, where they went I didn't everything I, I just destroyed them all I ate every single one I saw them in the <laughs> recycling bin I thought I didn't eat them that's where they went but yeah the... <laughs> There's a lot of elements to this, and this is what we're going to talk about on this podcast, because as you can see, it's not as simple as do this and you're motivated. There's a lot of elements, and that's why we've created this podcast to help people. Shall we move on to the next topics? We could probably speak all day on this as well. Let's do it. So we're going to touch on some things now. So they're the key things to start getting motivated. Set a goal, break it down, and then just start playing the game. Put one foot in front of the other and start doing the simple daily actions to achieve that. But there's a few things you can do to kind of um, help you on that journey once you've started to help you on that path. So the first thing I want to talk about is accountability. So Ben, what is accountability and like why can it help you on, on that path? Well, say accountability really has two, um, two elements to it. So the first type of accountability is, um, uh, if as we mentioned before, if you've got the scoring system and you're scoring yourself and you know every single week, I got, you know, I got six out of seven this week for my nutrition then you've got that accountability to yourself. You're tracking those scores for yourself, you're looking at them yourself, and you're keeping track of your own game. If, if, However, if you were not tracking any scores at all, you're in this kind of mystery zone. You have no idea what your scores were for the week. You're not accountable to yourself, you're not accountable to anyone else. You can you can do whatever you want. It's kind of like now, I am, I'm single at the minute, which means I, have, I don't have any accountability to do anything. I can go the entire day and not have a shower, not put any clothes on. I, I wore my pajamas until like 4 p.m. the other day. And I just, it doesn't matter. Like if I have a girlfriend, if I wear my pajamas until 4 p.m., she's going to be like, why are you wearing your pajamas at 4 p.m.? You've turned into a slob. What is this? Where's the guy I started dating? So when you have accountability, basically you're going to succeed better at life. Obviously, if I'm wearing pajamas at 4 p.m., I'm not doing that great on that day. Uh, so that's the first type of accountability is to yourself, so knowing where you are. And the second type of accountability is having somebody else checking up on you. So, you know, you've got to be accountable to somebody else. You're reporting into somebody else and 
they care whether you're winning or not. You know that if you go to them and you say, I got two out of seven on my nutrition this week, they're going to be like, well, that's not good enough. You're not going to get the results with that, are you? Having that external accountability um, is just another factor, just another factor which is going to make you stay on track. It's all about at this stage, as we said, just staying on track for as long a period as possible. You will need help to stay on track probably for those first 66 days until you get to the point where you've built these healthy habits and then you can just continue by yourself. But external accountability is a really, really, really good tool to get you started. If you're somebody who struggles with motivation, then it's it's just it's just a no-brainer. It's just something to add which is going to help you succeed. Yeah, definitely. Like I should probably point out the 66 days part of the habit for anyone listening is like a it's the average time it takes to embed a habit, but more complicated habits, so maybe eating the right amount for you, which is quite a complicated thing, uh, they can take up to a year or two years to embed. So don't just assume at 66 days it's all going to be easy from now on, but it'll be a lot easier for most things. So I think very simple habits take like 21 days and then more complicated ones can be up to a year or two years, but the average is about 66 days. But in terms of accountability, accountability is not... I think the simplest way I've ever been it's been described to me and Ben is that it's just someone asking you, did you do what you said you'd do or did you do X, whatever that was? And it's very simple, but this is what our coaches do with their clients. They do a progress review every month and it basically they ask, what scores did you get? Basically, did you do the work that you said you were going to do? Are you on track? Yes or no? And you can ask those to yourself. But again, if as Ben said, if you're the kind of person who's self-sabotaging anyway, or the kind of person who'll try and wriggle out of something anyway, you probably need someone to say that to. Because we, like as humans, we tend to care weirdly. I don't know why this is, but it's so true for me. We tend to care more about what other people think about what we're doing and about us than even what we think about ourselves a lot of the time. Like I know, for example, Ben and I currently live together and work together. If Ben is not here, I will feel less motivated to get out of bed and start working. Like I will quite happily have a lazy morning if Ben's not here, but if he is here, because we work together and we're in the same business, I don't want to let the business down. I know Ben's here. I think I better get up and start working because I don't want him to think I'm being really lazy and not pulling my weight. And that's the kind of ridiculous thing that we have. Or like when we had our office with our staff, I wanted to get in before them or the same time as them. Because I wanted to set that example and be, I was kind of accountable to them almost. And it's ridiculous, but you've got to put yourself, you've got to help yourself. Because I know that I will be lazy if I don't get accountable to other people, if I don't have other people checking up on me. So I, I've tried to surround myself, and this is another point we've actually put uh, for motivation that we wanted to cover today, is surrounding yourself with people that will help you get what you want, that will help you get motivated. So whether that's getting a coach, or for example, my girlfriend's very good at giving me a kick up the bum if I'm not doing what I said I'd do. Ben Ben isn't actually naggy or anything like that, but I just know if he's around, then I'm going to try and pull my weight because we're in it together. So I think accountability can come from other people as well as yourself, definitely. And for most people, they're going to need to get it from other people. So on top of accountability, we've also kind of put down here that we want to talk about support. So what do we mean by support? I'll let Ben explain. And why is that useful to get motivated? I think support is um, having the expertise of somebody to help you to do things that you you don't know how to do 
yourself. So when you go, when you've got that accountability and you check in with somebody, for example, if it's like, okay, I did great. I did all the things I said I was going to do. I've ticked off all my daily actions, but I haven't lost enough weight this week. Having the support there can help you because then you can say, okay, I haven't lost enough weight this week. And then you have somebody who really knows what they're talking about, who has that next, that other level of expertise. Say, okay, looking at your program here, looking at you, I think we can tweak and we can change this and then you're likely to get this result. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is just if you get stuck, if you get confused and you don't have anybody to turn to, you don't have anybody to ask, you can end up in a state of almost being paralyzed in your confusion and then that's just another chance to quit. You can be like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm not losing weight. I don't know how to adjust my nutrition. I don't know how to adjust my workouts. I don't know if I'm doing this right or wrong. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm completely stuck. So rather, and if you don't find a solution to that yourself, then the only solution, the only other solution is to either keep going. And if you're going to keep going when you're in a situation where you're not seeing any results, that's, you know, that's not motivating at all. Or the alternative is just to give up. So to either go and do something different that may or may not work or to just give up completely and pack it in. Yeah, so support is really just having someone there to ask for help, basically. Say, if I don't know what's going on, if I don't know why it's not working, if I don't quite understand this thing, I can have someone who explains it to you. And I think, especially if you're starting something new or you've got really confused, which a lot of people are with fitness, aren't they? They're kind of confused about loads of concepts because there's so many people out there saying this is the only way that will work like low fat or low carb or hit cardio or whatever it may be there's so many people who are saying this is the only way there's loads of people who are confused and then confusion as you said just paralyzes you confusion is the fastest way to get paralyzed because you you then doubt your approach and then the minute you doubt what you're doing you stop doing it in my experience like the minute i'm like is this the right thing to be doing then i'll just not bother and I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll figure out what I should be doing and then I'll do something again. Yeah, if, you've, if you're about to set off on a 10-mile run for your marathon goal and you're thinking, I'm not sure whether this 10-mile run is the right thing to do. Obviously, going on a 10-mile run, might I'd say it's cold and it's raining. It might not be the, the thing you want to do on that evening. So if you're not sure it's even worth doing, it's, it's just that much more difficult to put that into action. Uh, another thing to watch out with support as well is that the the person you're asking for help and support actually knows what they're talking about. Watch out for this because having done PT qualifications, um, etc., I can tell you first. I can tell you from my experience that what you learn in the PT qualification um, is definitely leaves a lot to be desired. There's a lot of information that you that's not in there that I really think should be in there. So if you're asking a PT for help, for example, or any other fitness person, make sure they really know what they're talking about. Look at their results. Look at the results they've got for other people. Look at their testimonials and so on. And then make up your mind for yourself as to whether you trust their advice or not. Don't just trust someone because they say they're a PT and they're qualified and, and whatever. Maybe that you actually know more than them. I'd say a lot of our clients know more about fitness than than a lot of fitness professionals out there and by pt i should explain ben means personal trainer just in case yeah not speed on that pt jargon but there's a lot of people who are in great shape who are really young or born genetically gifted and to a certain extent ben and i can relate to this because we're quite naturally lean so we could just put up pictures of and we used to do this 
that here's literally our only proof at the beginning was like look here's my abs or here's here's my legs or whatever here's how strong i am but just because someone's strong or they've got abs or as a girl they've got a sexy physique and they've got a good bum or good legs or small waist or whatever it is you're looking for they're just slim that doesn't mean they actually know how to coach other people and this has been misconstrued a lot just because they're in good shape doesn't mean they know anything about getting results with other people because they can just be born genetically gifted and a lot of people are who are in shape they're not they're probably young so they've stayed in shape for ages they've got no commitments and then they're perceived as an expert because they've got a million followers on instagram or on facebook and they can do all these fancy workouts but that doesn't mean they can help someone who's overweight who's not done fitness for years um and who doesn't know how to get motivated yeah, I can, I can tell you now, if I took my approach now, someone who's gone to the gyms for like, been, well, exercised consistently for like seven years, um, got a naturally fast metabolism, a good base of muscle mass. Um, if I took my approach and gave it to one of our clients, it would not work at all. It's just the approach, you need somebody who really understands the approach that's going to work for you. We're very, we have a lot of experience working with women, sort of ages 30 to 60 so it's it's a completely different target market to us obviously you know humans are everybody is a human as long as somebody's a human then the roughly the same approach is going to work for for everyone but the approach i would give to myself um would be vastly different from the approach i would give to one of our clients for example yeah so make sure you're asking for support from someone who really gets gets it gets what you're going through and what knows how to work around that and how to how to get you motivated how to get you consistent how to explain things to you in a simple way as well but i'm that's kind of obvious but i still again it's a it's, it's a definitely a trap people fall into just because they think someone looks good another thing that can really help with motivation this is a big question but we, we're kind of getting there with it now is that having a community um of like-minded kind of people can really really help we've built a community for our clients but there's loads of them out there um i have one at crossfit for example a community of other people who are into the same thing traveling the same journey and who get it because most people don't have supportive people around them and this is one of the reasons they end up stuck and out of shape and lacking motivation they have people around them who are not that fit and healthy and tend to sabotage them so you, you might have heard this you have someone who says to you like oh you're fine as you are just why do you need to to change you're fine as you are you you're you've always been big and bubbly or whatever and that's fine um and they talk you out of it or they say why are you trying to diet you always fail with it and it doesn't doesn't work and they talk you out of it again they're not supportive or they say oh just have one drink just have one drink it won't matter stop trying to do that boring stop being so boring and they say all these things to you and they talk you out of it having a community means that you have people who actually get these things so you can say my other half is, is trying to get me to drink every night. Or you can say, uh, I'm not feeling motivated today. And they can say, me too. And they will actually get it. So having people around you that actually get it helps so much. Because it's hard to do this on your own. It's really hard to do it on your own. And if you're just there suffering in silence on your own with no one for support, no one for accountability, and no one to ask for help or to explain something, then it's no surprise most people fail in my eyes. Like trying to do things on your own is really difficult. So I think a community is really important. Yeah, when, have, go on. when people try and sabotage you as well, if, there's, if you don't have this community of like-minded people and people are trying to sabotage you, even if it's close friends or family members, it's not because they're bad people. It's just because they're like human. 
Like there's so many times where I don't know, I've been, I'm in the house of Rob or whatever and I'm like, I can't be bothered to cook, do you wanna get Domino's? I'll try and rope Rob into this, having this Domino's with me. I'm not gonna order a Domino's on my own. But I'll be like, if, if Rob agrees to having that Domino's, if I can drag him down to my level, then we'll both eat the dominoes together and it won't be so bad. So just as a, just a human trait to try and drag people down. But if the more people you can surround yourself who are in this mindset of like, you know, we're going to stick to this, we're in this together, we're all going to get our daily scores together, we're all going to achieve our goals, then the more difficult it is to to get dragged down and sabotaged. Yeah, and we've, uh, we've named our community, they're called the Trinity Tribe and they honestly are amazing we go on there and for example this week i went on and one of the ladies had posted to four other ladies saying i think it was Gemma, um katie and a couple of others they said these they tagged all these girls and said how are you doing with your workouts today and they keep all each other accountable they make friends with each other and then they kind of stay dedicated as a unit and we're always stronger as a unit and as ben said otherwise you just give in to the people who are surrounding you and that make up your life and chances are that hasn't worked for you until now and it's not going to work for you in the future like if i keep if i offered ben to get pizza and or he offered to me get to get pizza it's so much easier to go with it than to try and fight it i would break first as well i'm, yeah. I'm much more likely to be like yeah let's get pizza rob will be like no <laughs> he says that but tonight i could be tempted <laughs> we definitely had dominoes was it last week i think it was only a couple of days ago oh, okay it only wasn't that long ago, ago. <laughs> think yeah when you're tired when you're worn out when 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 you're tired out basically in my experience it just it becomes so difficult that if you have no other people to lean on then it becomes really difficult so community of like-minded people the people who are traveling the same path i think that's really important as well it's not just like-minded but they're doing the same thing so for example in our community there's people who've already done the first 90 days or have they've already done the two first two weeks which we do something called the diet makeover and then someone posts and says, I'm having these headaches because I've cut out eating sugar for two weeks. Oh, is it ever going to stop? Then there's people who can say, look, it does stop. I've been through it myself and it sucked. It was horrible. But after five days, it went away and I felt even better than ever. My skin cleared up and I had more energy and constant energy throughout the day. And then it can keep you going. So I think that community element it should not be underrated. It's really, really important as well. So we're going to recap on this first topic of how to get motivated the key things you need to do are to set a good goal by looking at where you are now the impact on the key areas of your life what do you actually want and why do you want it once you've done that you need to break it down so you need to break it down into benchmarks so that 90 day goal that's what we we recommend you aim for break it down into 60 day and 30 day benchmarks and then break that down into daily actions that you can do every single day and then you can score yourself each week on those daily actions so in the way we do it, we'd say in terms of exercise, nutrition and mindset, what can you do each day or a few days a week that you can then test at the end of the week if you did it or not. So once you break it down, then it's simply just a case of trying to play the game. So saying, OK, it's Monday. What do I need to do today to get one step closer? And every day you just take one step closer towards your goal. And then to make all of this easier, to make all of this more powerful, it's important to get accountability. So someone to ask you basically did you do it yes or no um you can get self-accountability but that's not so good and then you can get support so you can ask someone for help whenever you need it and have a community around you of like-minded people who can kind of 
you can lean on when you need help and they can lean on you when you need help and you can kind of build friends through that as well. So that is how you get motivated in a nutshell. But we're going to be covering in future episodes in more detail other elements of getting motivated because it's a big topic. So that brings us to the end of today's Motivation Method podcast. But before you go, we have some important announcements. Firstly, if you're not subscribed on Chai, on chai Tunes, <laughs> okay, we'll get into this again. So that brings us to the end of today's Motivation Method podcast. But before you go, we have some important announcements. Piece one is if you're not currently subscribed on iTunes to the Motivation Method podcast, get yourself subscribed today. Number two, if you're not currently getting access to the daily motivation emails and action guides found at trinitytransformation.co.uk, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk and get that done today and we'll start sending those your way. The final piece of this is our Motivation Masterclass Challenges. If you're ready to finally unleash your inner motivation and willpower with a customized action plan and your own personal coach and the support of our Trinity tribe, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk today and sign up for our Motivation Masterclass and we'll get you started right away. And last but not least, if you're listening to this show and you're getting value from it, number one, do the things that we talk about here. And number two, you don't pay us to do this. So instead, all we ask of you is to simply share this show with one person who you think it could help today. So this is Rob Burkhead. And this is Ben Hughes. And this has been the Motivation Method Podcast. See you on the next one. (laughs) 